Welcome to the podcast of Eden Worship Center. We believe that God has perfectly revealed Himself through Scripture alone, and that salvation comes by grace alone, from faith alone in Christ alone, and that everything is for the glory of God alone. So as we study God's unchanging, inerrant Word together, ask God to open your eyes, to open your eyes to see yourself and your own sin clearly. Open your eyes to see Jesus clearly, and pray that God would give you the grace to repent, to turn from your sin, and the faith to trust in Christ alone for your salvation. If you'd like more information, go to our website at edenworshipcenter.co. Good morning, church. We're going to be reading from Mark 11, verses 20 through 26. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive, if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also, who is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. God, this morning we thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. We thank you for your word. God, we just pray that this morning uh, you would be with uh, Pastor Harold as he gives this message, that we would, um, we would have our, our eyes opened, our hearts ready to receive this word, God, and that we would go from this place uh, safely but also encouraged and uh, ready to share your gospel with the world, both in the way that we live and the words that we speak, God. We pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, it's a blessing to be together. This morning, we're going to look into Mark's gospel. As you know, normally we are preaching through the book of Genesis right now. We preach expositorily. But the last Sunday of the month, we look at something a little different that we call Follow Me. I love this passage of scripture that Josiah read for us. Hebrews 11.6 tells us that without faith it is impossible to please God. For whoever comes to him must believe, number one, that he is, and second, that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. And I love the sense of what I discovered. It's not just seek, but who diligently seek him. Some of your translations actually have that in there. Two keys to a faith that works, a faith that's alive. First of all, we believe in God, his eternal existence, and that he is actively concerned and actively involved in the life of his children, the believers. And second, he is a rewarder of those who, as the King James says, diligently, not half-heartedly, seek him. Janice and I, for a time, and again, we're using a book by Dr. Paul David Tripp, New Morning Mercies, as a morning devotion. Read something in there a few weeks ago that just 
really hit me. He said, there is often a disconnect between our confessional theology and our street-level functional theology. In other words, what I say on Sunday morning and the reality of how I live from Monday to Saturday. And we all know our confessional theology. We walk in, we greet one another, we shake hands, we put on our plastic smile and say, how are you? Fine. Isn't Jesus wonderful? None of you have ever done that, I know. The reality is inside there's turmoil, there's hurt, there's pain. Because from Monday through Saturday, so often we struggle. We've got it here, but walking experientially in that truth can often be very, very difficult for us. Paul Tripp also said, you'll never make any sense of the here and now without seeing it in the light of eternity. I have vivid memories going back to April of 2009. God began to speak to my heart, and and I began to really look anew at this whole level of faith and walking in faith and faithfulness. Not knowing that on Wednesday morning my wife would go to the retreat and get a bad report. Husbands, a little parenthesis here. If your wives are not getting regular mammograms, schedule it for her with your doctor. One of the things that would have been a good time for you men to nod in agreement and say yes. I know we don't like to talk about such things on a Sunday morning, but if we can't talk about them here, where in the world can we talk about them? One of the things that I regret is that I didn't go with Janice that day. And she went alone. And she got the report by herself that she had breast cancer. I can only imagine, based on a bit of what she's told me of how difficult that drive was for her coming home from Goshen and the tears. I'll tell you what, men, I made a decision that day, that never again, by God's grace, would she go to a doctor's appointment by herself. I may have to sit out in our car in the parking lot because of COVID restrictions, but she was not going alone. Needless to say, that diagnosis was devastating. But you know what? God was never taken by surprise. There is absolutely nothing that comes into our lives that ever takes God by surprise. Our problem is it becomes so immediate, so personal, so difficult, that's all we can see. So we drove here today, drove by the building that we built years ago on State Road 5, Somebody has purchased the property just to the south. They were out there and they've dug a footer and they've poured a foundation. I never get tired of telling the story because it was so real to me. When we built that building on State Road 5, I tell people, I don't know anything about building. 
I can drive a nail. It won't look pretty, but I can drive a nail. Now you have nail guns, and you just don't want to miss and hit your hand or foot with the nail gun. But that being said, I know nothing about building. So we had the excavation done. Had somebody come in, they dug the trenches, they put the steelwork down into the trenches, the cement guys came, they poured the footer. As long as I live, I will never ever forget walking that construction site with our architect who had come to inspect the footers. And he's walking around with his hands behind his back, just shaking his head as he's walking around inspecting the footers. Great man of faith that I am, I thought, oh no. We have spent thousands of dollars. It's all wrong. We're going to have to dig it out and start over. He stopped and he looked at me and he said, why did you put in a footer like this? I said, I don't know. What's the matter with it? I'm not exaggerating. I did that. He said, nothing. It's so much more than you will ever need. This building will never move. And I went, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Hebrews 11, 1 says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Now, we understand as Christians that hope is not a wish. It is not a dream. We know from what Paul writes to Timothy that hope is a person. 2 Timothy 1.1, and Jesus Christ who is our hope. So that's a glorious reality for us. It is the assurance. The Greek word is an interesting word. It is, it is the word hypostasis. Now I want you to know, I don't know anything about Greek. It's all Greek to me. That was a bad joke. I'm glad you didn't laugh. I had a pastor friend who left a Ph.D. program at Notre Dame to accept a, a pastorate, when he would preach, it was, I tell people, it was quite disgusting because John, if he was preaching from the Old Testament, would translate it for himself from the Hebrew. If it was from the New Testament, he'd translate it from the Greek. I'm pouring over my books and I'm looking at resources and I find something, I get excited, I call John on the phone, I said, John, I found this, tell me, am I right? I wanted a yes or no answer, but not from my friend John. He would go on and on and on. Actually, it was quite wonderful. I, I miss him. He's going to be with the Lord. This word hypostasis in the Greek means a setting under. It is a concrete reality upon which one can build a sure foundation. I think of that architect who said to me, why did you put in a footer like this? What I want to encourage us to, as we're following Jesus, to have faith in God. By the way, we are going to get to Mark 11 here in a little bit. Just be patient. This is the glorious introduction. I don't know about glorious. But we have a foundation of our faith upon which we can build our lives the structure of which built upon God's word will not move or be shaken by the storms of life that confront us. Our faith is an unmovable reality 
upon which we can build a life in absolute confidence. It is an unshakable faith. And understand this, that our faith is not in our faith. It is in the one who is faithful. Faith is not fatalistic. Well, whatever is going to happen is going to happen. No, our faith is a dynamic living reality where we come into agreement with what God has declared to be true. And then, based on what God has declared to be true, we can begin to move, we can begin to walk, we can begin to build and stand in a faith because we know the one who is faithful. Now, if you have your Bible open or your electronic device to Mark 11, go there, please. We're going to look at some things in this passage of Scripture. Beginning down in verse 20 through 26. You cannot understand, just to give you an idea that I know where we're going this morning, we're going to look a little bit at the context, we're going to look at the words of Jesus, and then we're going to have some practical applications. How do we live this out? So I just want you to know that... In spite of the fact I'm advancing in age, I do have an idea of where I'm going this morning. And let's see. Skating party is at 3.30. Oh, no. Seriously, you cannot understand this passage of Scripture and the words of Jesus apart from what happens in verses 12 through 19. If you have your Bible open, go back there. This is during the last week of the life and earthly ministry of Jesus. Understand that his disciples have been walking with him for three years. They saw him walk on the water. They saw him feed the multitudes. They saw him raise the dead and heal the sick. And it's the last week, the week of Holy Week. Verse 12 tells us, that they left Bethany and he is hungry, verse 12 says. And seeing in a distance, verse 13, a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if perhaps he could find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. For it was not the season for figs. And he cursed it. I remember years ago, I didn't understand this passage of scripture. I thought, Jesus... Why would you curse a fig tree? I mean, that wasn't very messianic, what you did. Years ago, during the the years that Janice and I were in itinerant ministry, I remember staying in a place in California where the guy raised figs. He was a fig farmer. And I learned an interesting thing, because around here we have corn, soybeans. Most of us have never seen a fig tree closest we got to a fig was Fig Newtons, okay? But anyway. I learned, he told me, that the leaves come on before the figs. Uh, bef- uh, the figs come on before the leaves. I almost had all my mix talked up there, didn't I, Josh? Let me get that right. The figs come on before the leaves. So when Jesus sees that there are leaves on this fig tree, There should have been figs, even though it was out of season. 
Now, we could take the rest of this morning and we could make some spiritual application to our lives because it's so easy for us with our confessional Sunday morning theology to have the spiritual leaves on our fig tree, as it were, and yet be very barren with spiritual fruit. Understand also that that unfruitful tree was symbolic of the nation of Israel, God's own people. And in particular of the religious system that was totally lacking the fruits of righteousness. You remember when Jesus says, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. We understand that in the context of those words, Jesus is speaking about the religious system. He's not speaking about the devil, although you ask most people today, who's the thief? They'll say the devil. And I say, you're right, but you're wrong. Because in context, because context is king, amen, it's the religious system. So Jesus is making a statement. And in these verses that Josiah read to us, there are really three powerful things. The declaration, have faith in God. There's the dynamic of learning to speak to the mountains in our lives and then walking in forgiveness and in grace. I don't know if we'll get all the way through all three of those this morning. But let's go back to what Jesus says in verse 22. His first response is, have faith in God interesting thing that I learned is that the literal meaning there is have a faith that rests in God. Taking us back to Hebrews 11.6, believing that he is. Now I want to say to us something that, that I believe is vitally important. Our faith is not based on our ability to believe God for anything. Faith rests solely on God, who he is, and his ability to deliver on what he has promised. I love what happens in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 12. God speaks to Jeremiah, and I love Jeremiah 5, uh, 1, 5. You know, that tells us when life begins. Did you know that? Life does not begin at conception. Jeremiah 1.5, God looks at the prophet and says, Before, say before. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I can't get my brain around that. Before I ever existed, I existed in the mind of God. Boy, if you're feeling lonely and forgotten and hurting, what comforting words that are should be for us today. And Jeremiah is struggling. And God says, what do you see, Jeremiah? He said, I see an almond rod. And God says to him, you've seen well, for I'm watching over my word to perform it. I appreciate how Tony led us in the adult class this morning as we looked at the word of God and we looked how it's been corrupted by other world religions and cults, reminding us that God is zealous for his word as we looked in Deuteronomy 13 and 18. Powerful things there. But I want to say again, if your faith rests in your faith, 
in being a member of the church or your ability to stand in faith or believe God for things. Sooner or later, you will lose faith because a time will come when God doesn't answer your prayer in the way you want it. I cannot tell you how many times over the years we had some people, people who are a part of our church now, who came out of a movement and I would, they were devastated and I'd hear them say, if I'd have just stood in faith a little longer. Now we all understand faith and faithfulness. But one of the unfortunate things that got perverted was this whole area of speaking a word of faith and declaring faith. Now we understand there is a place where we speak that word. Jesus said, you'll speak to mountains and they'll be removed. The problem is people perverted that. And unfortunately what happened is in so many other segments of the church, they saw the excess here and they cut it off at the root rather than the point of excess. So practically speaking, their life was very fatalistic. There's people who just need to stand in faith. I was having breakfast with a good friend of mine on Wednesday, and we were talking about some pretty well-known people. Some people, if I would refer to them today, some of you would be really upset with me in the faith prosperity movement. But I'll never forget during that time, I just knew Janice and I were on the road. We were living in a 27-foot motorhome with two small kids. And I was praying. I was speaking faith. We're having lunch. I'll just tell you, we're having lunch with Lynn Mink. Lynn Mink was Ken Copeland's song leader. We knew Ken, uh, uh, we knew Lynn really well. And we were having lunch together and I'm you know I'm speaking faith I said I just know we're going to just come home one of these days and there's going to be a silver eagle in our driveway for those of you that don't know what a silver eagle is that's a bus I'll never forget this man looking at me and said Harold whoever told you that bigger was better I wanted him to say amen I'll just agree with you but he confronted that. Now I have to restrain myself because I could just go down a wonderful little rabbit trail here. I just think God, it's, it's amazing that God used a guy who's still today well known on television in the middle of, in the movement of faith and prosperity to speak balance into our lives. That was a blessing. Because there was a time that faith was based on your confession. It was based on how much money you had in the bank and what kind of car you drove. And if you didn't have money in the bank, you weren't walking in faith. I'm going to ask you something. Prophet Jeremiah. How many converts did he have? The answer is zero. Was Jeremiah a success or a failure? He was a success. 
because he walked in faith and obedience. See, faith is not based on my ability to believe God for anything. Because if it is, then it's me and it's not him. Faith is based on him because he is faithful. We trust God because he is faithful. Here comes the confession of a pastor. I started to preach when I was 18 years old. I'm 75 years old by God's grace today and counting. I cannot tell you how many couples I have sat with where there was a serious marital problem where one had been unfaithful to the other. And I knew the key to rebuilding their, their marriage was reestablishing trust. But how do you do that? I'm almost ashamed. No, I'm not ashamed anymore. I'm just telling you. How many times I ask couples, how are you going to rebuild trust, hoping that they would tell me the answer? And they never did. Praise God for the ministry of the late Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole. One of the things Ed Cole said... He said, trust is based on confidence in character, and faithfulness is the cornerstone of character. Now, I already told you I'm not a builder, but it's always intrigued me to, to see how these block layers work, because when they lay blocks, they always build the corners first. Because if you get the corners right, your building's going to be square and straight at least in theory, unless I'm the block layer. But don't take my illustration too far, it'll break down. But you get the point. And I learned something. Because I'd look at these couples and, 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 I'd, and I'd say to the man, how are you going to rebuild trust? And he'd say, well, I asked her to forgive me, she's just going to have to trust me. And I'd look at her and she was proverbial deer in headlights. She wanted to trust him, but she couldn't. I am so grateful for what I learned from Dr. Cole because it's so practical, and it's practical with what we're talking about in faith and why we walk in faith and faithfulness to God. Trust is based on confidence and character, and faithfulness is the cornerstone of character. If you want to rebuild trust in your wife's heart, men, demonstrate faithfulness, starting with, even with your smart device, there's this little thing called 360. That my wife, as we drove in to the parking lot, said, well, I see on my phone that you've left home. She activated that on my phone. I said, honey, are you stalking me? <laughs> She's not. That's why we laugh about it. If you're going to be home at 5 o'clock, be home at 4.55. My dad taught me that if you get someplace on time, you're late. And you have a phone. So there's no excuse if you're going to be late. You call her and tell her, okay, that was good preaching. <sighs> I, f I feel better. Now let's apply this to what Jesus is saying in Mark 11. Since God is faithful to his word, you remember Jeremiah 1.12? God says, I am watching over my word to perform it. Since God is faithful to his word, we have confidence in his character. Because we have confidence in his character, 
we trust him. And that enables us to walk in faithfulness and obedience even if we don't see what's around the corner. It reminds me of that glorious old gospel song that I grew up singing. When you walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will what? Trust and obey. See, Aiden, I can make a sermon without even singing. I'm, I'm doing good. We trust him because he demonstrates incredible faithfulness. And as we pour into his word, we see what he has declared to be true. We come into agreement upon that, and we can begin to act upon that. Any of you fly a plane? Any of you want to fly a plane? I see some hands going up. Well, have you ever heard of a pilot who flies blind? That's a terminology. They're flying blind. Are they really blind? No. They just can't see outside the cockpit. They're flying based on their instruments. Will the instruments lie to them? Never. Will God's word ever lie to us? So even if we cannot see all that is happening, if we don't understand all that's happening, we continue to walk in faith and faithfulness because we know the one who is faithful. How many of you are like me? You grew up in the church and you, you had people say, well, there are some times you need to take things by blind faith. Have you ever heard that? I was told that. Wow, there are three of us. Glory to God. We'll have to get together and talk. I was told that. May I say to us, there is no such thing as blind faith. Because our eyes are focused on the one who is faithful. I love to fly. I'm not sure that I want to be the pilot. But see, I have confidence in that pilot, in his skills, his ability, and his training. And as I walk through life, even when we got Janice's cancer diagnosis, what a comfort to know it was not a surprise to God. And the one who is faithful and is watching over his word to perform it will see us through. There's times that we don't, I mean, we just simply don't see the whole picture. But that doesn't mean we're operating on blind faith because, as we sang this morning, we're turning our eyes on Jesus, the one who is faithful. Go back with me into 2 Kings chapter 6. I love what happens here. 2 Kings chapter 6. This is just following the, the healing of Naaman, this great Syrian leper. And as I shared with you when I got back from Israel, that, th this whole thing just came alive to me because it's down in the area of the Dead Sea. It's in the area where Masada is. 
the waters of the River Jordan by the Dead Sea are browner than this floor. They're dirty. So when Naaman is told to dip himself seven times in that, it's below his dignity. That's a sermon for another time. Naaman is gloriously healed. You know that the prophet's servant takes something he shouldn't have. He takes the gift. He's cursed with leprosy. And other enemy armies are coming to destroy him. Gehazi's greed just literally destroys him. But look what happens in chapter 6, down in verse 15. We have it up on the, on the screen for you. Now when the attendant of the man of God had risen early and gone out, behold, the army with horses and chariots was circling the city. And his servant said to him, Alas, master, what shall we do? So he answered, this is the prophet speaking, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. I love verse 17. Then Elisha prayed and said, Oh, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. You see, what happens to us, we live in this disconnect between our confessional faith on Sunday and then life hits us on Monday and we struggle. And all we can see is the problem. You get that diagnosis of cancer. You hear of another heartache, of a death, and that's all we can see. <coughs> So our Monday through Saturday theology really struggles. And all we see is the problem. All we see is the obstacle. And that reveals a couple of things. It reveals, number one, my eyes are not on the Lord. I'm not seeing the situation from God's perspective. And two, my focus is really on me that it's about me. And how many times do we struggle in our walk of faith because we want God to give us what we want, when we want it, in the way we want it, and when that doesn't happen, we're frustrated and we say, where is God? And we forget the larger picture. See, the difference between the servant and the prophet was what they saw. When all you see is the problem, when all you see is the obstacle, then fear and panic takes over, begins to paralyze us. And we say, God, where are you? What am I going to do? I thought... As Campus Crusade for Christ said in that wonderful track, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Or in the old way we used to do evangelism, give your life to Jesus and your problems will be over. No, they won't. In fact, let me just be quick to say, I didn't know what real problems were till I committed my life to Christ. But the other side of that is, <laughs> I didn't know what victory was either. 
See, the difference between us and the world is not that we don't go through stuff. The difference is we don't go through it alone. For he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I need to have my focus redirected. And I need to remind myself that whatever comes into my life today is not a surprise to God. And the words of Jesus, have faith in God. Based on that, things can begin to happen. You can begin to speak to the mountains in your life. I sometimes hesitate to tell this story, but I'm going to tell it to you this morning. I began to discover some of these things. How many of you know that when you begin to discover a truth that's been in the scripture all along, but you never saw it before, that ever happened to you? Am I the only one? Suddenly you just see something. Well, then like a kid, you begin to walk in it. You don't really understand it, but you know, you're starting to walk in these things. I remember the day the weather was horrible. There was a tornado coming right towards Topeka. I sent Janice and the boys to the basement. And I remember going to the front window. And I don't know how to describe this other than something rose up inside of me. And I I remember this. Okay. Be patient with me. God's not finished with me yet. I remember pointing my finger out that front window and I said, in the name of Jesus, you will not hit my house. You will not strike my family. I, com- I couldn't believe I did this. I command you in the name of Jesus to split and go around my town. The windows rattled and shook. Next day, I'm talking to people downtown. They said, you know, it's the most amazing thing. That tornado was coming right for the town, and when it got to the edge of town, it just split and went around. I went, glory to God. (laughs) Now, the other side of that is that we were in San Francisco to see God's favorite baseball team. And we were robbed by a bunch of kids in a park that I thought was safe. And I said, in the name of Jesus, stop! At which point, they took our son's bat and hit me over the head. That's a long story of God's provision and grace. We went to the ball game and I said, God, it's not right to pray that the Giants win, but if they lose, I'll be really disappointed. (laughs) Because we didn't have any money. We still had the tickets. We're here. We're going to the game. And church that we'd been in, Woodland, California, just a few miles out of Sacramento, was just so gracious to us. And that's a story for another day. And I tell you both of those stories for a reason. There is a time when we learn to speak to the mountains in our life in Jesus' name. If you have your Bible, go back. I I love this. Daniel chapter 3. 
see, this is a faith that is based on God and his faithfulness. Daniel's three friends, Hananiah, Asheriah, and Mishael, who we know today, kids, as who are they? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. No, Abednego. Nebuchadnezzar raises this golden idol, commands everybody to bow down, and they won't do it. They're respectful to him. Look at verse 17. This is Daniel chapter 3. I love this. Because Nebuchadnezzar has threatened them. He says, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able. Say, he is able. Our God is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But I love this verse 18. But even if he doesn't, let it be known to you, O king, that we're not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you've set up. Our God is able, but even if he doesn't deliver me, it doesn't matter because it's not about me and my comfort, my walk of faith as I'm faced with these circumstances of life is based on him, not me. Who he is, his faithfulness to do what he said he would do. That's why I love Hebrews chapter 12, and we're almost done here. Hebrews chapter 12. We've just gone through this glorious faith chapter where the heroes in chapter 11 are just outlined. And then towards the end of the chapter, it says, and many others of whom this world was not worthy. And chapter 12 begins. Understand, brothers and sisters, when you read your Bible, originally there were no chapter and verse headings in there. I'm thankful for chapter headings and verses. Helps me find my way around. But the thought goes on. It continues there at the end of Hebrews 11 going on into chapter 12. Therefore, seeing we are compassed about, we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness. Let us run with patience the race that's set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, hold that in thought, the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. For consider him who suffered such contradictions of sinners, lest you become weary and faint in your mind because you've not yet resisted unto blood. You see, that's my solution to my situational Monday through Saturday theology. Getting my eyes on him. When I get my eyes off of me and onto him and begin to see his eternal purposes and that God doesn't exist just to satisfy my creature comforts, it changes everything. Paul says, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. My walk of faith is about glorifying him in the earth. And if he chooses it by a life well lived or a life cut short in martyrdom, glory to his name. I want to walk, uh, represent him well before a watching world that he be glorified in me and through me. So I can hear those glorious words, well done, good and faithful servant. Jesus says, have faith in God. 
When that becomes the basis, our faith isn't fatalism because it's focused on the one who is faithful. And when his spirit stirs in our hearts to speak to the storm, we speak to the storm and we see the miracle. When his spirit stirs in our hearts and we stand in faith, we're like Daniel's three friends. Our God is able, but even if he doesn't, it doesn't matter. See, when we begin to see things from God's perspective, it makes all the difference in the world, even if in our eyes the situation seems to be impossible. And that then becomes the basis. You realize my time is up and I haven't even gotten to points two and three yet. <laughs> but when we have this hypostasis, this solid foundation that will not move, then there are those times when God's spirit moves in our hearts and we speak to those mountains and we see them removed. We speak to those giants in our lives, the word of faith and faithfulness in God and what God has declared. Like David, who looks at Goliath and says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would defy the armies of the living God? He understood you don't defy the armies of the living God if you're not in covenant relationship with him. And that's David's reference to uncircumcision. That's a sermon for another day. I've got to quit. But it's through this then, bathed in walking in grace and forgiveness. Because if I don't walk in grace, if I don't walk and extend forgiveness to brothers and sisters then my faith is meaningless. I've come to realize the profound wisdom of the newspaper cartoon strip Pogo. I never read the comics until I was in college and I was taking a literature class and I discovered the wisdom of reading the comic strip Pogo. Because I walked into the class, and my professor says, okay, we're having a quiz today. Everybody groaned. He said, you should have read the comic strip Pogo. In the paper this morning, it's a bad day for Pogo. It's a bad day for you. Pogo said, we have met the enemy, and he is us. I discovered that my greatest problem is me. I become so self-absorbed with me and the more I'm consumed with me the less I'm able to have faith in God and walk in faithfulness stand together and pray with me worship team come and join us Lord your disciples had walked with you for three years they were amazed that that fig tree that you had cursed withered overnight and you called them to faith in God. Lord, it's frightening how quickly our spiritual tree can wither when we confront, are confronted by problems and obstacles.
Lord, would you open the eyes of our heart? Would you do a work in us? Just like you opened the eyes of the servant who ended up with leprosy, but you still opened his eyes that he could see the armies of the living God. God, would you open our eyes that we begin to see with greater clarity what you see as we walk this walk of faith and live this life here on earth. God, forgive us for being self-absorbed and forgetting who you are. God, would you teach us to trust and obey? Remind us of your faithfulness and that we trust you because we have you confidence in your character and we have confidence in your character because you are so faithful to your word. So Lord, forgive us for our self-absorption and open our eyes and based on who you are, seeing you with greater clarity, cause us to walk in faith and faithfulness that we may represent you well before a watching world and glorify you in this earth whether by life by death by struggle or abundance whatever you choose that you will be glorified and we will be known as people who walk in faith and faithfulness Thanks for joining our podcast. We pray that God would bless you and strengthen you through his word. If you'd like to find out more about EWC or give tithes and offerings in support of this ministry, visit our website at edenworshipcenter.co.